Hi, Peter Walker here and welcome to today's edition of The Transition Guy. Now joining me in the studio today is Yaro Sawak, co-founder of InboxDone.com, as well as multiple other businesses. I mean, how many businesses have you been involved in? It must be 20 plus. Oh, I wouldn't say that many. Um, I, I've tried to make them work so I don't have another one to jump to. So probably, you know, three really ones that work is, is a best answer and a few that haven't. <laughs> and I was thinking more the angel investing as well, because you've put into oh. other businesses. Oh, if you count that, but I'm not, you know, I'm not running them. I'm just investing in them. So yeah, there's 30, 30 of those. Yeah. So you've had involvement in 30 plus business, around 30 businesses. Yeah. That'd be safe to say. Yeah. So one of the, what really drew, drew me to having you on as a guest was the fact that actually one of your key topics is productivity. And one of the things that you've never done before is you've kind of always had remote offices. You've never, you've never sort of had a, you've always been that remote worker with disparate teams. And I just thought yeah. it was really interesting from the point of view being that for 18 months, people have been forced to sort of remote work mainly because there's been no travel, no way to get into the office. And we've kind of learned to change the way we work. Yeah, my question for you is this. We've gone down the remote working route and people have adjusted to it. Not everybody. Some people are just not suited for that kind of work. Yeah. Now that we're coming back to some kind of opening up and a relative degree of normality, why is it that companies are wanting employees to come back to the office? Yeah, it's a good question that I will have trouble answering because I've never wanted my people to be in an office except for a brief time where I was feeling lonely, to be absolutely honest, much earlier in my career. Um, and, and that wasn't for any productivity reason. It was just I wanted that camaraderie and, and teamwork that you get uh, Friday afternoon drinks and so on. Um, but besides that, the goal was to be a digital nomad and therefore not have to keep going to the same place or even the same city. You know, you wanted that that freedom to work anywhere. I can only assume that the companies that are asking people or even forcing people to go back now, uh, there's an element of habits that they don't want to break. They're just used to that um, management that is uncomfortable with not controlling people in person you know that feels like management's job is to kind of direct the sheep at work and if you don't see the sheep maybe you don't feel like anything's happening um i don't know some maybe culture elements as well some people don't believe you can maintain a good culture without part you know being in person and i've read a few books on that i remember there was a great book from the uh, the wordpress founding team and they've been a distributed company from day one as well but they're quite large and they understood the need to have something in person, but it was like a team retreat every three to six months for a little bit of cohesion, a little bit getting the sense of shared purpose. But then you all go back home and you talk on Slack most of the day anyway to, to get things done. So the short answer is I don't really know. But you've managed to successfully operate remotely most of your work in life. Yeah, 20 years. So, and that was back in the day when technology wasn't necessarily great. So, I mean, we were probably living back 20 years ago, we were living out of inboxes. <laughs> so we had inbox overload, managing by email. How did you get over the fact, or how did you get over the need to control people? Uh, you know, I never... Maybe because I'm an introvert and I, I enjoyed 
being alone, I never saw business as controlling the other person. It was always, are we making a step towards my goal? Like that to me, I cared the most about. So if I saw the output of a contractor or freelancer, um, or even like a semi-permanent kind of contractor who keeps working with me over time, as long as the website was being built or the customer's emails were being answered, or sometimes, you know, it might've been designing something creative, graphics, um, maintaining my community, developing software, as long as I saw the output of that and that's it, that's all I needed to see. I mean, it's funny because I didn't factor in sometimes the things that may have been important, which have been like the mental health of the person I was working with and how I was communicating with them. Because as one of my, um, Laura, she helped me with hiring and still does with my current company. She would say, you're, you're really lovely in person, but you're kind of very straight shooter on the Slack chat. So sometimes people think maybe you're really kind of a little bit mean on the Slack. And I was like, well, I, I, it's not my intention. I just, I'm focused on getting the work done. So it's like, do this, do this, do this. It's not like, how, how's your day? How are you feeling? And so I kind of missed a bit of the niceties, uh, which I over time kind of added back in when, when I felt it was necessary. So, but at the end of the day, it's output. That, that to me is the products get done and the creative work is good. That would be the reason why I'd let someone go. They don't show up and don't produce output or the creative work is not at the level I need it to be for whatever task I'm doing. But how did you know that remotely? Because obviously you couldn't look over their shoulder. So you couldn't see how they were working. So how did you manage that? Well, it's easier for certain things. Like let's say I'm getting copywriting written. They can just spend a day or two writing something and pass it back to me. If it takes a week or two, then clearly something's wor- you know, they're not working or they're very slow. Um, it's interesting though, if you fast forward to more recently when I've hired engineers for developing software type projects, it gets a bit more challenging there because I don't, as a non-engineer, I don't understand how to assess the speed of their coding, like how much they produce in a day or a week. So again, I, I kind of try and look at the output in terms of, can you show me some kind of working aspect of what we're building? Um, but I don't know if like a button should take a day or a week, you know, in, a, in an app or a, a, with some kind of web interface. So there I've struggled a bit more and I, I'm assuming at that level, especially, you know, very high level programming type companies, they must have managers who also have some kind of skill set to assess the team that they work with. You know, I'm, I've always been a solo entrepreneur. I wear a lot of hats. Uh, I, I can assess copywriting. I can assess graphic design. I, you know, I can assess emails written back to my my staff and and uh, customers because i can just go into the inbox and you know see what happened during that day um so that has been to be honest i haven't done programming for most of my companies it hasn't been needed it's yeah. been services it's been selling digital education any software we get off the shelf and maybe customized so uh, it hasn't been too much of a problem so that's how we do it i mean for me it was mostly assessing um, the elements I was writing something like writing an ebook or an online course, and then I need the slides designed and I can easily assess the output of a slide designer because every day they're going to produce five to 10 slides. So if I want daily feedback, I can do that. But most of the time I trusted them enough to say, you know, show me your 1.0 version. And I know that's going to take five days or something like that. And that's how we work. Cool. Did your culture, do you think, in your organization suffer as a result of being remote? 
Yeah, this is one that's a little more interesting for me today because I didn't think about culture for pretty much any of my early businesses. It's only my current one, Inbox Done, uh, about you know four years old now. Because we have a stable team of about 25 people, there is a culture. Um, I'm not heavily involved with it because I'm more on the sales and marketing side. So I only work with a couple of our team members. Claire, my co-founder, we actually were having a conversation recently about how much culture is playing a role. For example, we face situations sometimes where uh, one of our staff might be asked to become a full-time employee of our client, thus leaving our company. We've had some situations where that person, that assistant has said, no, we want to stay within the inbox done ecosystem. We like the, the, the culture. We like the conditions and the flexibility of that. And I, I hadn't realized that that had become an important part. And that's all because of what Claire, my co-founder has built, you know, the, she does the nice things like asking how people are doing. Um, you know, she, she considers, cause she used to be an inbox manager. She wasn't always a co-founder like me. So she understands the need for feeling like they're progressing towards a goal. If they're suffering something that they don't like about working with a client, she knows to surface those things early on before they become issues. So even just that kind of, we care about you first before necessarily anything else has become very important. So um, I didn't build that, so I can't take credit for it, but I certainly see the importance of it now. And she maintains that virtually. That's the thing that really impresses me too. You know, a lot of that's just asking the right questions and setting the right systems up for onboarding, for training, uh, for just feedback, making sure we check in once a month. How is it going? You know, what, what's uh, like working with these clients? And she's built all that as a machine. So I'm very impressed with that. And you're talking about the fact that with some of them, you're not even checking in frequently. Uh, no, we do in, in encourage independence. You know, we don't want to micromanage. We are matching a client with a dedicated EA who spoke, uh, specializes in email, usually two. And we want those two EAs to work with the client and feel empowered to complete everything they can without, you know, needing to check with mom and dad on, on how things are going. So for that to work, obviously, we have to be super picky about who we hire and then super careful about how we train and onboard them in what we do. And then earlier days manage, but as time goes by, they get more comfortable. And uh, ideally, yeah, we don't hear from them unless it's just a, a catch up once a month and uh, or maybe an odd question here and there, but it's not coming straight to us. It's going to our, you know, a group manager chat where everyone pitches in. Now, I'm sure there's people who sort of, tuning into today's episode in absolute horror because it's not <laughs> what they're used to in fact probably prior to the pandemic breaking out people were used to just watching over people they'd be you'd be judged on okay what time did you rock up to your desk how much time do you take off for lunch and things like that do I you think that. yeah it's interesting is it do you think perhaps now that the reality is people are having to sort of go back into the office or being told they have to go back into the office, that's causing people to come out of the workforce. We're seeing people just totally disappear. They were there before the pandemic. Okay, there were job vacancies, but it's like across the globe, I mean, America have just got an unbelievable amount of vacancies, but these people just haven't been transported to a different planet. The people are still there. But it's like all of a sudden, well, the job that they were doing, they don't want to do that anymore or they don't want to do it that way anymore. What's your thoughts on that? 
I love it. Oh my God, Peter. I think I've been waiting for this movement. I'm sad that it happened because of a pandemic, but I'm so happy that that's an outcome we've gotten because I've been wanting this since almost day one. I was an entrepreneur or, or an adult. When I was 18, I'm like, I don't want a boss. I don't want an alarm clock. I don't want my salary to be capped by a number of hours and I'd have to count my life based on I worked this many hours and got this much money back. I want freedom to work when I work, when I want to work, how I want to work, where I want to work from, what I get to work on. And as an entrepreneur, obviously that's the ultimate goal. But even if you look at today with remote work, you're not necessarily an entrepreneur. You might be a freelancer, so you still kind of have a boss, you have clients. And even if you're working as an employee virtually under a company, that gives you that kind of freedom too. You're you're able to like work. Let's say you want a two-hour lunch. Ideally, you have a two-hour lunch and maybe you'll make up a little bit extra work in the afternoon, but it's the output that should matter. You know, if it's if you can do in four days, in fact, I just heard um there's a company here in Montreal that switched permanently to four-day weeks. That's gone from 40 hours to 32 hours a week, same pay, same conditions for work. And I was like, they've obviously realized that. And this is why I love it. Rest and recuperation is a key component of performance. And I studied that early in my career. I was like the foundation of um, output is the ability to rest and let your brain, even your subconscious digest and finances to problems. And if you're trying to push yourself to do a 10 hour working day, whatever it might be, five hours, five days a week, or even six or seven, there's no space for that recovery needed for peak performance. So I think this remote work lifestyle encourages that. It also encourages, like you said, selectively choosing a role that gives you now what you know is possible, where before you did not, you didn't realize that, oh, you know, it, I, I can work in a different format. Because so much of this is habit. Like I was saying to you off air, we have this habit of driving to work, all of us at the same time. And we all know it's stupid because we're sitting in our cars beeping and, and, you know, frustrated, wasting our life, not doing much, any work, not seeing family. It's the hour in the commute. And that's only because we all do it at the same time. If, if even 25%, if we staggered it, I used to say, why don't we, some of us go at eight, some of us go at nine, some of us go at 10, and then we'd all have a much better commute. Um, so I'm glad that there's been a forcing mechanism, but like you said, this is a, it's a transition that I think the the companies themselves and, and certain people within them will struggle. And like you said, the best uh, forcing function is the person saying, I quit. And then because they have other opportunities, they, they have options. That's the important part here too. Before, you know, if you quit, you're not going to find necessarily, unless you became a freelancer or an entrepreneur, a, a role where you can get that freedom. Now, you know, there's so many companies that will offer a remote situation. So it's opened up, opened up the doors to so many people. And do you have a challenge recruiting people? Uh, I don't because I don't do it. Uh, but yes, we do. <laughs> Claire um, and Laura, my, our two main hiring people. Um, and it's a function of who we look for too. It, it is a certain skill set and a personality type. Um, and also the fact that, I mean, I, I don't know this in terms of, I've looked at the numbers and said this is true, but I have a hunch there are options that these people are looking at as well that weren't in place before. So we're going up against competing remote work situations so they can kind of pick and choose. Do I want to be, you know, an EA email manager with inbox done and work this many hours? Or do I want to maybe, you know, a freelance three days a week um, with another company? 
do I want to mix it up? Maybe I'll do a bit of Mbaxdana. Maybe I'll do a bit of my own work. Maybe I'll work for two companies at once. I mean, I think it's great. These options, it's options. And that's, that's a, a beautiful thing. And maybe we're now entering the era of options. And actually, companies are going to have to get used to it and radically change. It may well be that a lot of our, I mean, I know that all my team is outsourced. So the reality is you may not have people directly, as many people on your payroll as you once had, because it's going to be more contract work because mm. that's the lifestyle choice of people. Did you used to work in an office, Peter, or have you always been virtual? No, no, I've worked in the office. I've worked in all kinds of environments. Okay. So you know the both both sides of the fence. Both sides of the story. And I yeah. do. And I will say that, yep, yeah, I've been the manager in the past that's been watching out, but I've done it all. But I suppose what the interesting thing is, we're moved out of the industrial age. We're now in the digital age. Yet yeah, we're still trying to operate in the digital age using industrial age thinking. And that's just outdated. Mm-hmm. especially with the movement in technology over the last two years. We've had the greatest sort of movement in innovation that I've, in collaboration tools that I've seen ever. I love it. I'm very happy so, to see it. So people are thinking, okay, well, that's all well and good. I know that you do inboxdone.com. How does that help entrepreneurs? Well, we're, I guess, a quintessential digital company in the sense that and I should add, we're a, a digital company trying to solve a very old digital problem, which is too much time spent in the inbox. Um, I, I always find it a little bit of an irony that we're providing a non-digital solution, a human being, an, an executive assistant, usually two, who are going to step in and get you out of the oldest internet technology uh, that most people are used to, which is email. Um, so you can do whatever you want, you know, your, your creative tasks, your maybe write a book, maybe travel, maybe spend time with family, maybe exercise. Uh, and we just go in there and, you know, reply to your emails, manage your email. We still make sure you're updated with what you need to know. And if there's certain emails only you deal with, they're for you. But we try and get 90, 95% of those messages off your plate and help you to stop treating email like a to-do list. Because it's kind of like this place where people have a boss. It's whatever messages come into my inbox. That's what I make my day about. And that's not a smart way to do it because most of those messages will not be high priority, you know, moving your business forward tasks. So for the right type of entrepreneur or founder or, or manager type person, getting yourself a couple of inbox done EAs just frees you up one, two, three hours a day. You know, we do scheduling your calendar. We do social media okay. inboxes. We do data entry. We do basic research, all the stuff you're used to with an EA, but we especially hire and train for email management because as you can imagine, having someone step in and reply to your messages is a little confronting and you don't want to outsource that to sort of $5 overseas labor because you're just not going to get the quality you need. So, Oh, perfect. Thank you. Well, it's been really insightful. Really appreciate your time. If anything's resonated with you today, you want a bit more information, maybe how you can start digitizing your business, start looking at the hybrid version of working, but you don't know quite how to move forward, head over to balka.com and get in touch. Once again, Yaro, thank you very much for being a great guest. As I always say to my audience, failing to learn is learning to fail. So please stay safe and be awesome. And once again, Yaro, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Peter.